Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Liz Moody Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Moody, and I'm a best-selling author and longtime journalist. This podcast is all about helping you live your healthiest, happiest life, whether we're learning the best productivity secrets, working with experts on eliminating our money anxiety, or getting into the latest research on the future of healthcare. And yes, those are all real episodes, so if any of those topics sound good to you, scroll on back in the archives. We are back today with another advice episode where every single month I'm joined by very special guests and we answer all of your questions. If you haven't listened to the last one with Emily Lubin and Ramey Castamere of Diet Starts Tomorrow, it is so juicy. We get into all of the taboo sex and relationship questions that you wish people were asking. It's like having a very excellent brunch with girlfriends, and it is so, so normalizing for things that many of us feel shame about. You can always send any questions that you want answered to ask at lizmoody.com Or I'll be taking questions on Instagram the last week or so of every month, so be on the lookout for that. Everything is always 100% anonymous. I am so excited to welcome Jennifer Cohen of the Habits and Hustle podcast for this installment of the Advice Episode series. Jennifer is an entrepreneur, an author, and podcaster. She's the author of three books in the fitness, wellness, and healthy habits space and has sold companies for millions of dollars, has appeared on major network shows, and is an in-demand motivational speaker for brands and business schools. Her TEDx talk, The Secret to Getting Anything You Want in Life, has more than 5 million views. I was on Jennifer's podcast, Habits and Hustle, last month, and we had such a great conversation over there too, so make sure that you go and check that out. It is the October 17th episode named 100 Ways to Change Your Life. On this advice episode, we get into the secret to really making a habit stick, how to get back on track when you've fallen off a habit, three secrets to starting a meditation practice, even if you hate it, how to build the best morning routine easy ways to add excitement back into your relationship, tips for the best date night ever, how to improve your energy levels, and so much more. As always, we would both love to hear your thoughts as you're listening. We would both love to hear your takes on the questions, your advice that you would give. So definitely screenshot and tag us on Instagram. I am at Liz Moody and Jennifer is at The Real Jen Cohen. Also, so many questions that we answer in this episode pair so, so well with 100 Ways to Change Your Life. There are chapters on relationships, on habit formation, on energy building, and more. So if you have similar questions to what you hear in this episode, definitely head to 100waystochangeyourlife.com to snag your copy today. I've been loving reading your DMs, your emails, your reviews, you sharing all of the ways that you have already changed your life with this book. It is so gratifying, and I'm just honored and grateful to play even the tiniest role in your journey. Okay, let's get right into it with Jennifer Cohen. Jennifer, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I love getting to talk to you on your show, so it's really fun to have you on mine. I loved having you on my show. I love that book that you just did, and so I promote it to everybody. So it was a great episode. <laughs> thank you, and thank you for having me on your show. And thank you for sharing the book so much. It really, truly is so appreciated how kind you are about it, and it's just absolutely lovely. So as I was telling you, this is an advice episode. It's really, really fun. I'm just going to dive into some of the listener questions. I got a ton of really juicy ones, so I feel like you're going to have really good advice. Let's just start with your habits and hustle. So we'll start with a little habits question for you. <laughs> okay. I am 
having trouble sticking to routines that are beneficial. Is there a best approach that will help me do these routines most of the time? The truth is to build a habit, it takes you doing it over and over again, right? It's consistency. And most of the time you don't want to do it. So it's about getting into the mindset of not feeling or thinking about how you feel in that moment, but think about how you're going to feel after you do that thing. Because I think a lot of times people get really stuck in the fact that in this second, oh, I don't feel like working out. I don't feel like eating the healthy meal. I don't feel like doing whatever that thing is. However, if you actually focus on the feeling afterwards, it's a really good way to build a routine and a habit that's going to have longevity. Because I think it's all about how you just reframe these things in your head. Do you think that you need to do a habit every single day to have it be a habit? I think you have to do it more days than not. Or I think what you have to do is commit to a certain amount of times. And it depends on what it is. If you're talking, let's say, about strength training, weightlifting, right? And you say to yourself, I'm going to do it four times a week. Follow through on the four times that you said you're going to do it. It really does depend on what it is. Personally, like for me, morning routines are super important. Every day there's a morning, right? So you have to do that routine every single day. What does your morning routine consist of? I'm such a creature of habit, Liz. I've been doing the same things for so long. It works for me. Now, everyone's different, but mine is I wake up every morning and I have 32 plus ounces of room temperature water with like two lemons squeezed in because it really helps flush out my system. And I feel like that's a really good way to start the day. So I do that. And then I've had the same breakfast for like 25 years. I'm not kidding. Like once in a while, I would veer somewhere else. But I don't want to make my first meal be something that I think about. So I want to have that on autopilot because your brain only has so much ability for willpower. I want to create as much things that are insignificant on autopilot so I can focus on other things. Therefore, I have one meal that's knocked out that's really good quality and healthy. So when I do that, I'm much more propelled to eat the rest of the day a certain way. I have five egg whites and one egg yolk mixed together with like veggies, and then I have a grapefruit. That's my breakfast. And I work out every morning. And it doesn't matter if it's like a high-intensity workout or just going for a walk, but I have to move my body. And all of those things are – that's not crazy. I mean, some people have the most insane morning routines. Like they're doing the cold plunge and the saunas, and they're doing the red lights. I mean, their morning routine, some of these people are – going into the night. Like you have no time to actually have a life. But for me, if you just pick a few things that work for you, it really sets the tone for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and really kind of levels up your life. Were there any times in your life where sticking to even the few things that you've chosen were hard? Like I know you have kids and you've had yes. busier periods at work. What did those times look like? The things I said to you are pretty much non-negotiables. Like drinking a glass of water, it doesn't make a difference if I have two kids, 10 kids, or no kids, right? Having the same breakfast, same thing. I'm not picking things that are so outrageous that it's hard to do. The only thing that's hard is the working out every morning, right? So I give myself grace in the days that are completely unattainable for whatever reason. But I'm also somebody who doesn't believe in excuses. I feel like I've made that commitment to myself and I want to be able to honor that commitment. So what I'll do is if I don't have the time to do a 45-minute workout, I'll do a 10-minute workout. So at least I got some type of activity in. But life is exceptionally difficult. Like The fact is 
when you have kids, things change. And so you have to give yourself grace. And yeah, sometimes you're busier with work. But I do feel when I don't do those things, everything else becomes a little bit worse. My day is not as productive. My mind is not as alert. I'm not as cognitively in tune. So if I have to wake up an hour earlier, I'll do it. There's ways to move around things. This is my thing. I think that people tend to make a lot of excuses when they don't want to do something. Half the things I do in my life, I hate to do, but I do it because I want the result at the end of the day. And so I will not allow my brain or my disinterest to rule what I do. Again, I think about how it feels afterwards. I love that you've narrowed in on these specific, it's really three things. It's drinking water, it's eating your same breakfast, and then it's some form of movement. Yeah, some form of movement. I think a huge thing that people run into when they're creating their morning routines is they're trying to fit in like seven or eight or nine or 10 different things, and then they feel really overwhelmed, and then their morning suddenly becomes this stressful thing instead of this thing that's setting them up for the day that they want to have. Exactly. Even on my podcast, it's about habits, right? So I ask everybody, what do they do every day? And some of these people like say the most audacious schedules and routines that I'm not joking. It starts at like five in the morning and goes until 11, which is to me so unrealistic for the average person. If you're somebody who just has like a ton of money, you don't have to work anymore. But most people have a lot of responsibility. They have kids. They are not able to like take six hours for themselves and do those things. I just find it to be crazy. Like I think everything should be manageable and realistic. And That's why even when someone says to me, like, what's the best workout to do? Well, what's worked for me is not going to necessarily work for you. Or what I like doesn't mean that you're going to like it. So it really becomes a situation where people have to try a lot of stuff out there and then pick a couple key things that really feel that it moves your needle and feeling a certain way. And then focus on that. It becomes exceptionally overwhelming and completely unrealistic to add all these things to your day-to-day routine when it's just not something that you can sustain. The problem is with social media, people are following all these influencers and one person's having this green juice every morning, this one's doing this detox diet, and this one's doing that. And then you're trying to like do all of these things because they're talking about it, maybe they're probably getting paid for it. And it becomes a very stressful experience. And that's the worst way to start your day. But the truth also is your morning routine starts at night. So I believe it's more important to have a really strong night routine than even a morning routine. Because if you're not sleeping properly, it doesn't matter. You can't wake up in the morning to even do your morning routine effectively, right? So really start the night before. I make sure that I get in bed a certain time and that I get a certain amount of sleep. I'm not a drinker, thank God, because that really offsets everything. I set the intention for my next day. I will make sure that I see what I'm doing the next day so I'm on task, which takes two seconds, really. And I just have my workout clothes beside my bed. Like I have these little preparations where I'm much more apt to do something. The next day, you probably know about this. Is it called limbic friction? You have these little things that are steps before you do your habit, so you're much more propelled or apt to do the thing. For an example, if you want to work out in the morning or do yoga in the morning, whatever, you put your yoga mat out in the kitchen, so you'll always walk by it. And so it reminds you, I got to do it. Here it is. You're making it as simple for yourself as possible to actually do the thing. 
And like on the flip side of that, that would be like leaving the bowl of candy out. And then you're, why am I eating candy all day? But right. it's because the bowl of candy is reminding you essentially to eat candy all day. Absolutely. Like out of sight, out of mind, yeah. right? So you want to put things that you want to incorporate into your life very close by or reminders of what they are so that you actually do them. It's so interesting. I don't think this is exactly this, but I've always been so dismissive of the impact that our environments have on how we feel. Yeah. I've always been a person who's like, I thrive in chaos, probably because I set myself up for that my entire childhood. I was like, oh, look, I'm thriving in chaos. So I got used to that yeah. throughout my childhood. But in my later adult life, my sister kept saying to me, like, create a house that really like soothes your nervous system. Yeah. And I started doing that recently. And it makes such a huge difference literally to just have your space feel a certain way to think, what do I want my mental health to look like? And then to create a space that's conducive to that. I totally agree. I think that your environment is so important for how you're going to feel. And I'm similar to you. Like, I feel like I actually thrive in chaos too. And so that is why I feel that my whole life I've built these systems and basically became a guinea pig of what will actually work for me to keep me on point because I'm not naturally very disciplined. I don't love to exercise. I don't love to do these things that I force myself truly to do because I like the outcome. So I had to create like a very specific system of trial and error to see what I will actually do and consistently because I can't rely on my willpower. I love food. I love to eat. That's my favorite pastime probably in the world. And I love volume of food. People need to have or build some form of self-awareness so they know where their triggers are so they can offset them. And so then I will make myself massive salads because then I can eat, feel like the feeling that I'm eating a lot, right? It's basically reverse engineering what your normal propensity is for you to then succeed in life. Are there other systems that you've used to create discipline in areas that you've had a harder time cultivating that? I can lose my attention very quickly. And so what I do is I set timers for myself. Like I have to do this for 30 minutes. I have to do this for 45 minutes. So again, so I'm creating like places and structures where then I have to do something because I believe if once you made this commitment to yourself, the following through, I actually just posted about this today, to me is such an important piece of building self-confidence and self-esteem. I think a really easy way for people to lose self-confidence is when they don't keep their word to themselves. That's a really important attribute to have. And so because of that, I try to stay on task with that. If I know I need to pay my bills or invoices, I'll say, okay, I'm not allowed to make a call, go on social media, do this for this 45 minutes. I will keep on that. Versus if I'm just left to my own devices, I will lose focus. I'll make a phone call. I'll go get something to eat. I'll do that. You know what I mean? It's so much about creating these habits and rituals around my life is structure so I can really perform at my best. There is so much incredible science behind red light therapy. There's research going all the way back to 1903 that won a Danish physician a Nobel Prize for showing that exposure to concentrated red light accelerated physical healing. And research from NASA has shown that it boosts the production of growth factor proteins and collagen, among many other incredible things. I am obsessed with red light therapy. It is so science-supported, and I've personally seen huge, huge benefits. 
I use Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device, which is a red light panel. So I'm not limiting its benefits to my face. I feel like the masks are so popular right now, but I would like to expose my entire body to the red light. That way, it helps with not only my skin, my collagen production, but also increasing energy, decreasing pain, repairing cellular damage, improving mental health and cognitive function, and so much more. You are not spending that much more money to get a panel versus a mask, but you get a much more versatile device with way more powerful effects. Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device gives you professional-grade equipment straight at your home for the best price that I have seen anywhere. You can stand your max panel on the floor on any flat surface, or you can hang it on the back of a door. It is really lightweight, and it is so easily stored away in the closet when you are done using it for the day. You only need 10 to 20 minutes, so Zach and I actually meditate in front of it naked, Uh, but there's lots of ways that you can habit stack it into your routine, so you do whatever sounds good to you. Check out Bond Charge's Max Red Light Therapy device now on bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. Bond Charge products are all HSA, FSA eligible, giving you tax-free savings of up to 40%. And for a limited time on top of that, my listeners will get 15% off when you order from bondcharge.com and use my exclusive promo code LizMoody at checkout. That is B-O-N-C-H-A-R-G-E.com. You will also get free shipping and a 12-month warranty. Go now to get this exclusive offer. That is bondcharge.com with promo code Liz Moody to get 15% off. It takes a lot for a health supplement company to wow me, but Symbiotica really breaks the mold. If you haven't discovered them yet, they make really different products than any other supplement company I've seen before. They have a lot, so I highly recommend that you check out their website and take their quiz to find out what's best for your specific goals. But I wanted to call out a few of my personal favorites. First of all, the topical magnesium. You all know I love magnesium and I've always wanted a topical spray that wasn't sticky, that felt good and luxurious to use, and that actually let the magnesium absorb into my body, which requires DMSO as an ingredient, which I have actually never seen in any other product. If you have achy muscles or sore feet, this is literal heaven and I also love it before bed to help with sleep. And then I have become increasingly interested in minerals. We talk a lot about vitamins, but adequate minerals are so key for energy. And unfortunately, it's become harder to get adequate minerals because our soil is so depleted of them. The Symbiotica Shilajit supplement is one of the best mineral supplements that I've found. And the research around Shilajit is profound. There's robust human and animal research that shows it acts on ATP in a way that significantly helps restore and create energy, which is one of the biggest things that I love it for as a low-caffeine consumer. There's also robust research around its anti-inflammatory properties, its brain-protective properties, and more. I think of it more as a whole food than a supplement. It's a naturally occurring resin, and I just mix a little bit of it into my afternoon tea or my decaf coffee drinks. And like all Symbiotica products, there are no additives, fillers, toxins, or artificial flavors. Of course, I have a special discount for you. You can use code LizMoody to get 15% off plus free shipping on subscription orders. Again, that's code LizMoody for 15% off on symbiotica.com. 
Have you learned anything else from your podcast, from interviewing all of these incredible people about habits that's really stood out to you? It's funny. I find that almost everybody I've interviewed says that they meditate. That's like the number one thing that people say, which is the one thing I cannot seem to do, which is I find very ironic. And everyone says it's changed their life. It's been like a, a game changer for them. And I just, I am unable to do, do are you a meditator? I am, See? yes. There you go. How long can you meditate for? I do 20-minute sessions, but I also am a fan of like, I meditated in the car ride over here. So I did probably seven minutes in the car. I put on a sound bath on Insight Timer and meditated in the car. I love meditating in Ubers and Lyfts. I love meditating on the subway. I love taking those little moments of interstitial time that you maybe be on your phone or something like that and meditating instead. Really? Yeah. This is what happens with me. I try it and then I lose focus within like 10 seconds. And then I get so frustrated with myself. I try again, happens again. And then I walk away and I'm just annoyed. I think that our human nature is to want to do things that we're naturally good at. So we lean really hard into those. And that's what I've done my entire life. I've leaned on the things that I'm good at and then delegated the things I'm not so great at. That's a part, again, of knowing yourself and knowing what you're good at and bad at and having that self-awareness. The other thing I was going to say about meditating is that I've kind of come to a place where I feel like my entire philosophy in life is that just because it's good for you doesn't mean it's great for me. And being okay with the fact that maybe this is just not something that I'm interested in, as opposed to constantly trying to do it because I feel guilty that everyone else is doing it and I don't do it. And then I think to myself, like, that's, I think, a better place for me to be. Because there's a lot of things that I feel I do. Like, I like to run. I like to do whatever. But you can try running every day and it's just not your thing, right? You like Pilates or whatever it is. So I feel like there is somewhere where you need to give yourself that grace where maybe this habit, this modality isn't right for me. And I've kind of stopped fighting it as opposed to like trying to make myself feel worse that I just can't be good at it. I completely agree with that philosophically. My only two things that I would say in terms of meditation is one, there's a lot of research that shows you don't need to do it for as long as people talk about. You can get Mm. really powerful benefits from like three, four, five, six minute meditation. Right. I'm actually going to say three things. Two, that feeling of your mind drifting away and coming back, that is meditation. So we think our Mm. mind being able to focus the whole time is what meditation is. And then when our mind drifts away, we're like, oh, I suck. I'm bad at this. But that feeling of your mind drifting away, bringing it back, that's a rep in terms of like weightlifting. So that's one rep, your mind drifts away and then your mind's going to drift away again. And then you gently bring it back. That's another rep. Your mind's going to drift away again and you're gently going to bring it back. That's another right. rep. So that is meditating. That's not failing at meditating. That actually is meditating. I like the way that you explain that. And I think that people don't really know it like that. They watch too many movies and they watch too many videos on TikTok of what it looks like and what it should be. I mean, on my podcast, people are like, oh yeah, I meditate for two hours. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no world that I would ever even want to do that. It's so interesting. It's a thing. Well, so first I'll say my final thing, which is that reading is a form of meditation. And I think that's a great hack yes. that people don't talk about enough because that same thing is happening when you're reading. Your attention is drifting away and then you're forcing it to come back to the words on the page. So it is literally a form of mindfulness meditation. There's research that shows I that love it that. activates the same part of your brain. Did you put that in your book? I don't remember. I think so. And I 
totally agree with that, right? I'm not a great reader. I did write your book because it was a very easy way to read it. I was going to say, it's all about how someone formats something and if you're interested in the topic. Isn't it interesting how a huge part of habits is how they interact with the identities that we allow ourselves? You know, you're like, I'm a meditator. I'm not a meditator. I'm a runner. I'm not a runner. Totally. I'm this type of person. And I think a lot of times we're limiting ourselves in terms of the habits that we're having and the habits we're able to take on based on the identities that we feel we are allowed to have. That's a great point. I think you're right. I think we do that all the time. That's because we tend to put ourselves in these boxes, you know, especially if you've had many different versions of a career. Like I've really had, I've pivoted so many times in my life. I was in the sports world, the music world, health and fitness world, personal development world. Like I've constantly like changed and pivoted from one to another. And, you know, I've never been someone who's put myself in a box like that and pigeonholed me, even though many other people want to do that to me. They're like, well, how can you be good at this? How can you be the head of marketing at a label? But then when you are a trainer, like a personal trainer, First of all, the truth is everybody on the planet, they have transferable skills. Usually what happens is you become good at something in one area and those skills can transfer to something else. So people should never just think of themselves myopically in one way, because a lot of times you can take that information and that knowledge and the value that you bring from somewhere else and really spin it into another thing very easily. And I think that the transferable skill thing is something that I've done over and over. That's actually a hack. When I say a hack is that I've never been somebody who feels like, oh, I've never been in that industry, so therefore I can't. I think, well, I have had that experience. I know how to build relationships. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. It's like you're taking that and just moving into a different industry. And if people realize that, they wouldn't maybe feel as stuck or as complacent as a lot of people do. I agree completely. Is there anything that you think that people often get wrong about forming or sticking to new habits? I think that people think that they're going to end up really liking their habits because they say that it takes 23 days or whatever it is to develop a habit. No, it doesn't. It can take years or you can never like the habit, but you just continually to do it. I don't think there's a time frame because people think, well, if I stick to it for another seven days, it's going to become a habit. And if it doesn't become a habit in seven days, then they should like stop doing it and move on to the next thing, which I don't think is true. I think everybody, again, works differently, acts differently, and you don't focus on what that is. You focus on the feeling afterwards. And so don't just be defined by the amount of time because it's I think that's a silly way to think that now it's 12 a.m. It's been 23 days. I should now have this as a habit. It doesn't work that way. And the truth is, it's very natural to fall off and come back. Just because you have done something and then you stop doing it doesn't mean you should give up and not continue. Do you have any advice for what happens? Do you have any advice for what you should do when you fall off your habit track? Just get right back on. How though? I mean, it, sometimes it can feel so discouraging. Like it definitely feels easier to do the workout after you've done the workout for the previous three days than to do the workout after you haven't done the workout for a week. What's the science behind why it's so hard to get back on the horse? A lot of people aren't naturally inclined to like a certain thing, especially in like the world we're living in, again, we're conditioned to think, well, working out's good for us. Eating healthy is good for us. Well, we have to do it. It's this idea of like have to do it, like this obligation. Nobody likes to do anything when they feel 
like they're obligated. That's like the worst feeling as opposed to doing something because you want to do something. So, and that is why I think naturally, psychologically, once we feel we have to do something, we automatically don't want to do it. And so once we stop doing it, the idea of having to do that again, it's so daunting and so overwhelmingly unappealing that we go the other direction. And I'm sure you've done so much like research on this, like the neuroscience, like the neuroplasticity of your brain. You need to train your brain and reframe the way you see things and think things. It's no different if it's real or not. If it's in our heads to be something, if we think we're bad at something, then we're going to be bad at something versus we think we're good at something. It's all about how you think about the talking you do to yourself, the self-talk, the bad negative talk, the positivity. If you say, oh my God, I love working out. Oh my God, I love eating a chicken breast. That to me is a really good way to end up executing on that thing versus saying to yourself over and over again, I hate that piece of chicken. I hate that piece of broccoli. The words that you speak matter. And so be very, very cognizant of the words that you say inside your brain and actually outwardly. I love that. And I think it's so true, especially I notice that with aging messages all the time, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm so tired. I can't do this anymore because I'm old. I think that those words are the things that make you feel tired and they make you feel old. But I'd also even expand on that to the words you say are creating a certain truth, but also in reality, make the broccoli delicious, make the chicken delicious. There's a zillion types of workouts in the world that we can do. Find one that's at least somewhat enjoyable. And if you can't, I am not a workout girly. I listen to my favorite podcast, I Temptation Bundle, so that I have something fun to look forward to when I am doing my workout. So I think instead of saying, I'm just going to flip the words for many of these habits, I would say almost all of them, you can actually flip the real situation. Absolutely. I work with this company called Green Fat, and they call their thing pro-aging not anti-aging, because they think anti-aging is like a very negative spin. Initially, I'm like, that's so stupid. Like, no one's going to know what that is. That's so dumb. And when the guy explained it to me, I'm like, as a society, we're conditioned to feel aging is negative. And so therefore, we're doing everything we can to stop the aging process, when the reality is, it's better than the alternative, right? We've now, as a society, just been conditioned to feel and think that certain things are good, certain things are bad, and we just kind of go along with it, as opposed to having that moment of questioning something, like maybe that isn't the greatest messaging, maybe that isn't the greatest way to think. I agree completely. Let's do another listener question. We have, what do you do when you feel like you are progressing in life and your partner is remaining the same and it starts to feel like you're growing apart? Any advice would be welcome. So that's interesting. I find that happens more often than not, especially when you're busy and you have kids. You end up living a lot of times parallel lives, right? I think you have to be intentional. It always comes down to this, right? Wherever you water grows. And that is the truth. And it's very hard with life that things get out of hand and you end up taking things for granted that you otherwise should or you don't like do things together and therefore that's how people get stunted. You have to make time. Find one common thing that you guys can do together and build together. I don't think that you have to necessarily love the same things or like the same things, quite frankly. What I think is important is that you embrace what the other person is interested in. And if you feel that you are growing as a person and someone else is lagging behind you, which happens, of course, all the time, you have to maybe create an environment where that person has an opportunity 
to catch up. But you have to pay attention to that and create these opportunities by spending more time together, by exposing the person to something that you're interested in. Because a lot of times I think what happens is we get really upset that, oh, we're just growing apart. But are you or are you allowing that to happen? A lot of times it becomes like a moving train. Once you're on that train, it's really hard. And I think that you have to create a space, an environment where you can find something that's common that you guys can do together. That's the first thing. Second of all, expose the person to things that are interesting for you, where they can maybe find interest as well. And quite honestly, at the end of the day, once you've given it your best effort and it's still not working, then maybe there is another conversation. I'm also a big person in like not trying to fit a square into a circle, right? We get really caught up in these situations where we are feeling like, oh, because we're together now and we've been together for a year or two years, that means that we were meant to be together for 50 years. And sometimes that just isn't the way it is. There are different people who are great for you for at different times of your life, depending where you are. And that's okay. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you just got to keep on going or like, too bad, you guys made that commitment. No, you try to do all these different things to make it amenable and try to make it good again. But at the same time, if it doesn't work after a while and you've tried everything, then you have to just maybe make another decision. Have you and your husband ever gone through periods where you feel like one of you is evolving and the other one isn't evolving at the same pace? I think this is what happens when you have kids. It changes the playing field completely. And I have a career and my husband has a career. So I'm really busy. He's really busy. And then we come together with the kids. It's very easy to forget about our own relationship. And that does happen because we used to do a lot of times these date nights, like one night a week, we're going to go out and have our time. But at some points, that doesn't even matter. You're just losing touch with somebody. So yeah, that does happen. I'm not going to lie and say, no, that never happens. And no, everything's great all the time. But there is an element when you have kids, you are much more apt to try harder than if you didn't have kids. In life, you do have ebbs and flows in relationships. Sometimes it's going to be better than other times. So yes, that does happen. And there's things that I'm interested in that he's not as interested in and vice versa. And it can be problematic. But then at the end of the day, where you water it grows the most. And I notice that when I'm not paying attention or spending time, it gets much, much more complicated and difficult to get back to a a level playing field. And I think a lot of people would feel that way. I absolutely love a low-lift daily habit that has a big payoff over time. It's why I'm always asking podcast guests for little hacks and tips that we can all do easily to live a better life without sacrificing a ton of time or energy. And that's why I love AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I know there are a lot of people who wonder if AG1 is overhyped because so many people talk about it, but in this case, it's just one of those things that's super hyped because it's actually that good. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted a single solution that supports my entire body and covers my nutritional bases every day, no matter how the rest of the day goes, especially for gut health and immune support. I just mix a scoop of AG1 into my water. You can also mix it into juice or a smoothie, but I genuinely love the taste, so I go with water. And boom, you have this incredible insurance that you've gotten your foundational nutrition in from that one-minute habit in your day. 
I'm always trying to eat veggie-packed, nutritionally dense meals, but I am not perfect, so AG1 helps support me with 75 vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, and adaptogens to cover the bases. I love how it gives me some gentle energy right after I drink it without any jitter so it doesn't stoke my anxiety like caffeine. It gives me a ton of mental clarity and clears any sluggishness or brain fog that I have, which is why even though a lot of people start their day with it, I actually prefer to drink mine in the early afternoon when I have that 3 p.m. slump. And it is not a placebo effect. AG1 has so many ingredients that have been extensively researched for their brain health effects like rhodiola root dry extract, hawthorn berry, and rosemary to name just a few. It also has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no artificial anything, and they are third-party tested, which is always so important to look for. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a one-year supply of their amazing vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. That's drinkag1.com slash Liz Moody. I've tried just about every electrolyte powder on the market. I use them all the time for hiking, traveling, time in the sun, and of course, my electrolyte chia frescas that I swear by for fighting constipation when I travel. You just mix a packet of electrolyte powder with some chia seeds, let it sit for 10 minutes and drink, and you will have the best vacation poops of your life. After all of that experimentation, I have to say one of my favorite electrolyte drink mixes in terms of both taste and quality of ingredients is Element. Each element packet is made with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Element delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes without any sugar, fillers, or artificial coloring. I also love them because they make it so much easier to drink more water throughout the day. It makes it taste good, but the ratios in Element are designed to actually hydrate you on a cellular level. Electrolyte and sodium deficiency is actually at the root of so many of the problems that even the healthiest eaters and athletes face. Things like headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, and even dysregulation of critical hormonal and cellular function. While we always hear that we should be drinking more water when we have these symptoms, drinking more water actually makes the problem worse if electrolytes are not also replaced. Hydration is not just about drinking water. It is critical to hydrate with water plus electrolytes to get to you hydration, which is when we have adequate fluid balance in our bodies. And that's why Element is key for hydration. They also have amazing flavors. I personally love the watermelon salt flavor, which is perfect for mocktails or cocktails if you want to take a step towards avoiding a hangover while you drink. Chocolate salt is so good for adding into my smoothies and grapefruit salt, which has just made its return and it's perfect for sipping poolside, bringing to the mountains or enjoying during family barbecues. If you want to dig deeper on the research on electrolytes and new hydration, I highly recommend checking out Element's website where they have some great resources. All of the amazing benefits aside, I genuinely look forward to drinking Element because of the incredible taste and flavor options. There is always an option that fits my cravings. If you want to try Element for yourself, the Liz Moody podcast listeners can still receive a free Element sample pack, which includes one packet of every flavor with any order when you order at drinklmnt.com slash Liz Moody. And if you don't love it, Element offers no questions asked refunds on all orders, so there is literally no risk in giving it a shot. That's drinklmnt.com slash Liz Moody for your free sample pack today. What's your favorite way to water your marriage? We used to do this 
all the time. And now, like I said, it's not as often because our busy schedules, but we would walk to dinner. So you're not allowed to get in the car and we'd have to walk a minimum of two miles. So that would force, in a nice way, force you to speak without phones, like for 45 minutes. We would walk to dinner. We used to take Zumba classes together. And by the way, I should tell you, my husband is like the best dancer. It's embarrassing how bad I am compared. But we would take dance classes. I would make him do dance classes and he would like thrive in them. So I'm a little bit spoiled, I have to be honest, because unlike most husbands, I guess you would say, Noah, he's up for anything. He'll do anything. He'll go anywhere. He's good at everything. He's actually an anomaly. So I've been fortunate enough in that way where he's malleable and he'll do whatever. And so we would take Zumba lessons or we'd go for these walks to dinner and then walk back. So that's like guaranteed, concentrated time with each other. And by the way, I'll be honest, since we haven't been doing that, it's actually been worse for our relationship because it's very easy to get out of routine. And again, that becomes your new routine. And to get back to it, it becomes much more effort to say, okay, we're going to do this on Tuesday as opposed to like, oh, I have a meeting on Tuesday. And finding that time becomes much more difficult. Yeah. It's so interesting. Even the way that you said that made me think about the fact that when we're doing nothing, that's a routine for ourselves in the same way that when we're doing something, that's a routine for ourselves. And of course, it's hard to go between those two, if that makes sense. We act like it's just a routine or an absence of a routine. But in fact, we've created a routine of whatever the alternative to the healthy habit that we want is. So we're breaking an active routine to create the routine that we want, which is, of course, going to be more difficult than simply adding a routine in. Does that make sense? I like how your brain works. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I also yeah. love – so I read a Cosmo article literally when I was like 14 years old, and I've never fact-checked this, but I like it as a fact that I say and share anyways, Okay, which is that men – have better conversations and are more apt to open up generally when they're side by side instead of face to face. So it's why I think the Cosmo article is like, want to have a deep convo with your partner? Do it in a car when you're driving. Or when you said you're walking side by side, not having to be face to face, apparently, according to this Cosmo article that I haven't fact checked, allows men to open up more. So I love that. And then also there's so much research about how our brains work differently when we are moving together. So I love that about your walk. And then I love, I think a lot of people lament, I wish my partner were healthier. I wish my partner had these habits. So setting up a habit you can do together instead of bugging them about when are you going to go work out? What are you going to do for your health today? But just doing the habit together, I think is a really beautiful thing too. So you check a lot of boxes with just that simple activity you're doing. Yeah, there's a ton of backed research. And by the way, even just experience, that shared experiences is how you build relationships. Having shared experiences as opposed to texting on a phone, phone calls, doing things together. And this is not just husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. It's friends. It's how to make new friends. The way you really make new friends or sustain the friends you have is to do shit together. And doing shit together is not sitting across from each other at a table at a restaurant. Yeah. I was going to say, it's not just having a coffee together. It's about doing a workout class, doing a dance class, going for a hike, movement of some kind. 
Or even if you don't feel physically capable of going for a hike or something like that, a pottery class, something that gets your say, mind or your body working in different ways. I was going to say, even art classes, doing something where it's like you and me are going together to do this thing, whatever that is, or cooking classes. Me and my friends, not right now, but we have in the past, we've taken a cooking class together to have something that we do as a unit where Every Monday at four o'clock or whatever, we're doing this together. And it's helped maintain friendships that otherwise you would never see that person because life gets busy. And the same goes with husbands and wives. That's why just going for date night to a dinner to me wasn't enough. And that's why we incorporated this walk prior to. And I do think there's a lot to be said for when you are talking to somebody and they're much more open and vulnerable when they are not staring at you in your eyes because it's much more vulnerable and it's much more intimidating like talking to you like this. And that's why in human nature, we tend to look away when we're saying something that makes us uncomfortable or saying things that makes us insecure. We tend to look away from the person's face. So that side to side banter, you're right, is very, very effective. I also think there's an interesting balance that you can strike, and I love that you did this with your standing cooking class, between eliminating decision fatigue. So every week you're not just like, okay, what's the novel experience that I'm going to have this week, but also bringing in some sort of novel activity. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I have started doing an articles club together where every Wednesday when we have dinner, each of us have read some type of article about any topic in the world, and then we can bring that conversation to dinner. We don't have to think about what are we doing, what's the new thing, but we always have an infusion of something new. So I think striking that balance between novelty and eliminating decision fatigue can be really nice for a date night. That's a great one. So you have to read an article, and then he has to read an article. And then you come to there and talk. What if it's the same article or same topics? or That's fine. Change? I mean, it can be about anything, but usually our – interests naturally kind of go to different places. I tend to be in more of like a history realm and he'll often bring something about tech and then he'll explain the contents of the article and talk about questions that it raised for him and I'll ask questions about it and we'll go back and forth about both of them. I love that. Yeah, that's a great one. Let's do one more. And this is related to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about. My marriage is in a massive lull. I am overwhelmed by motherhood. I'm lacking awesome friends, but I do like my job, so something is going right. Everyone says start small, focus on one thing. But does that mean drink a glass of water small or work on your marriage small? Where do you start when you have low energy, overwhelm, and are bored? I think walking is one of the greatest single things you can do for your mind and body, bar none. I think it's great for clearing your mind. It's great for your mood. It's great for your overall sense of your cognitive focus. Walking to me is the gateway drug to so many other healthy habits. So if someone is not walking, that would be a great place to start. Walking around your block, walking around the building you work in. If this person loves to work, then they should walk around the building or their offices. I think incorporating some walking daily is a game changer for someone who doesn't do it. Even for people who actually are workouters, I think walking in itself, what it does for your cognitive abilities and for the mood is just, there's nothing that's better. I have two thoughts here. One is addressing the low energy overwhelm and our board. I think something that we don't talk about enough with burnout, we're looking for all of these like solutions and antidotes to burnout. But Burnout makes you 
feel unexcited about your life. And we wonder sometimes, why does my life feel boring? We wonder sometimes, like, why are the things that used to excite me not exciting me anymore? Why does everything just feel meh, that base level of meh? And we're trying to solve that. But in trying to solve that, we're actually just adding to our burnout. And one of the best things that you can do when you feel both overwhelmed and unexcited at the same time is create the space that you need to resolve the burnout and then the excitement and the feelings of joy and interest in your own life, I think will start to come back. So my first thing for this person would be to look for places that you could draw boundaries in your life and begin to ask what getting your energy back would look like, because I think that will start to tackle overwhelm, boredom, and low energy. I think those are all tied up together in burnout. So that would be my first thing is, is there a childcare situation that could change? Is there something at your job that could change? Is there something that's sapping your energy that you could address that could give you the space to begin to address that burnout would be my first question. And then I love the walking tip, but I think that when our relationships aren't going well, and the first thing this listener said is my marriage is in a massive lull and I'm lacking awesome friends, I think when our relationships aren't going well, it really seeps into every other part of our life. I agree with that. But I think what we end up doing a lot of times is that we acquiesce to what's available and we accept what's good enough. And then what happens is the burnout is really not burnout. It's the inability to get out of our own ways. Chase what you want, don't take what you get. Because I think a lot of people just are like happy with what's in front of them and what's comfortable. And you have to really make a decision. And again, I'm a big believer in putting the onus on you to change your life. So if you feel burnt out and you feel blah and you feel bored, do something about it. I think there's a lot of different things. And that's why I said walking, besides all the things I just said, was because I think energy begets energy. So when you have no energy, it's not because you've been moving all day and you've been like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. It's not because of that. It's because you're mentally bored and feel blah. When that happens, shake up the environment a bit, get some fresh air, move your body, and I promise you, you will have more energy. The days that I'm not moving my body, I actually feel much more lethargic, much more tired, much more low energy. And so it's a myth to think that, oh, well, I have no energy, so therefore I can't do this thing that requires energy. It's actually the opposite. And I think that once we start doing something physically for ourselves, it changes our mental state and gives us more positivity. It gives us more mental energy, mental resilience. They're so connected. I always go back to exercise as a fundamental habit in building success in both personal lives and professional lives because of what it teaches you. It gives you so many foundational things in life that you can implement everywhere. I love that. I love energy begets energy. I think it is so easy to forget and so, so important on a daily basis when we're feeling blah, when we're feeling tired, I think asking yourself, am I feeling genuinely tired because I actually have been running around all day? Or am I feeling tired because of that boredom because I actually haven't moved enough? I think a lot of times we're looking outwardly for why like we want other people to save us as opposed to looking internally. 
and getting it from ourselves. But think about how you can better yourself. How can you elevate yourself to be a happier person? No one else is going to make you happy. You have to make yourself happy. And that's a lot of it. Unfortunately, it is a lot of trial and error. And me talking about this or you talking about it or anybody talking about it, that will only get someone so far. Eventually, someone has to like do the work. They have to like take the step. They got to do the action. And Life is all about momentum. Something in motion stays in motion. Something stagnant stays stagnant. So you have to start doing and acting and moving to actually get change. I always come back to, even if you don't know what it is that you want to do, I always say to people, pick a direction, not a destination. Because it really isn't sometimes about the destination. Just pick a direction, something that you're interested in, and let things kind of fall where they be. Because a lot of times what the actual thing is that you think you want isn't actually even that thing. And you find your best opportunities on the path. I love that. It doesn't matter if you know where you're going, but just get in motion and adjust as we go. Yeah, exactly. You adjust as you go. We are out of time. Can you tell me a little bit in your own words about your podcast, about your book, about where people can find you on the internet? My podcast is called Habits and Hustle. You are on it. And my book is called Bigger, Better, Bolder. And it was based off of a viral TED Talk that I did called The Secret to Getting Anything You Want. The book is really just like that on steroids. And they can follow me on Instagram. They can go on my website, jennifercohen.com, get a newsletter for free. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and for sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you for having me. I always love the advice episodes because I love hearing from you. I love hearing what you're dealing with, how I can help. And it's so much fun to get to problem solve with my guests. And then they're also just really chatty and fun. They feel like sitting around on a couch and shooting the shit. And it's a vibe that I always crave in my podcast. So I hope that you like it too. If you like this episode, shoot a link to somebody that you think would benefit. And if somebody shared a link with you and you were new to the podcast, welcome. I am so glad that you're here. Make sure that you're following on whatever platform you like to listen on. All you have to do is go to the main podcast page. That is the one that lists all of the Liz Moody podcast episodes. And then you'll see the word follow under the logo on Spotify. And then there's a little follow with a plus sign button on the top right of that same page on Apple Podcasts. This way, you will not miss out on any new episodes. They will appear right in your feed every single Wednesday. And you do not want to miss out because we have some very exciting ones coming up, like an episode about the rise in loneliness and how we can fix it, and another one about how we can fight with our partners better using science and all of this research to have better disagreements, to have a better relationship in general despite our arguments and sometimes because of our arguments. So you do not want to miss those. And do not forget to go to 100waystochangeyourlife.com to snag a copy of my new book. Okay, I love you and I will see you next Wednesday in two days for the next episode of the Liz Moody Podcast. If you have dry skin, this is going to be your holy grail. I've loved, loved, loved the Osea Andaria Algae Body Butter for years It is so rich and creamy and lush, but it sinks right into your skin and it makes your entire body feel moisturized and not greasy at all. I actually do not understand how it's so not greasy and yet so, so hydrating. As fall approaches, I'm leaning into mini spa energy, these micro relaxing moments you can insert throughout your day. 
because peppering your day with tiny bits of calm can have huge impacts on overall cortisol levels, on your anxiety, even how you sleep at night, and the smell of the body butter. Holy cow, it is pure spa energy. You get that like laying on the massage table, melting energy. It is phenomenal. I've gone through at least four tubs of this personally, and that is saying something because it lasts a long ass time. A little bit goes a very long way. I also always keep extras on hand to give out as gifts. It uses ingredients that you would normally see in face care products like seaweed, ceramides, glycerin, which I am obsessed with for hydration and think is so underrated, amino acids, even a skin-identical moisture complex. Also, here is a little tip. If you want to amp up its hydrating power even more, put it on damp skin right after the shower to really lock in all of that moisture and hydration. Like all Osea products, it's formulated with real seaweed to take advantage of its nutrient-rich benefits like deep moisturization. It's also vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Osea has actually been making seaweed-infused products that are safe for your skin and the planet for over 27 years. And I personally absolutely love how everything is ethically tested and sourced. For clean body care that gives you skincare-level results, you've got to try Osea. And right now we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with promo code LizMoody at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $60 get free shipping. While you're there, get the body butter, of course, but I'm also obsessed with the Vegas Nerve Oil and Pillow Mist, both of which help so much with my anxiety. I love rubbing the oil on my hands and inhaling deeply before I meditate to make it feel more intentional and calming and grounding. You are going to want it all. Go to OSEAMalibu.com, promo code Liz Moody.